0: Hey guys, and welcome to Hunting Land, presented by Great Days Outdoors magazine. If you like to stay up to date on hunting tactics, land management, land values, and land market dynamics, this is the podcast for you. This week's show is brought to you by Alabama Ag Credit. Buying rural property isn't the same as buying in town. If you're in the market to purchase your own piece of paradise or need an operating line for your farm, give our friends at Alabama Ag Credit a call. As the local experts in rural real estate financing, they can help you with everything from homes and land to tractors and crops because sometimes natural resources need financial resources. And while some lenders don't get it, they do. Learn more by visiting alabamaagcredit.com. And also brought to you by the Hunter's Mate Lowdown Trail Cam Viewer. Finally, a trail cam viewer that actually works. Lowdown's high-speed trail cam viewer has flippin' fast technology that allows you to view images three times faster on a screen that is 60% bigger than typical seven-inch viewers. Lowdown is a dedicated viewer slash photo manager made for one thing and one thing only, fast, uncomplicated viewing of your trail cam images and videos. Lowdown makes viewing large numbers of images fast and easy. It allows you to easily delete individuals or groups of selected images. Find out more at lowdownviewer.com. I'm your host, Joe Byer here today with my co-host, Butch Theory. Today, Butch, we are going to be talking about an area that you really don't think about or hear about too often when it comes to waterfowl hunting. When I think waterfowl, you know, I'm thinking about the the Stuttgart's and, and the like, you know, and, and the Louisiana Marsh. I mean, those are just the two places that come to my mind first and foremost. But tell you what, Wyoming is a place that you need to consider if you're thinking about getting into a waterfowl hunt of any kind, ducks and geese coming into this season have you been able to hunt that area of the country much at all for anything
1: so right out of college i spent a little bit of time in cheyenne wyoming whenever i was surveying pipeline and we had some interesting evenings with some prairie dogs and some very flat shooting rifles on top of trucks (laughs) that was pretty awesome cheyenne was a very 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 beautiful place but as far as waterfowl goes no prairie dog is the only thing i've ever killed in wyoming
0: coming from the Southeast, you get to that part of the world and you feel like you're in outer space, you know, just so much different. It's That's one beautiful. of the things I really enjoy about track, getting to travel a little bit and do a little fishing, do a little hunting. Is just just seeing the new areas. And I think I've said this before, but what's always been interesting to me is it doesn't matter if you go to Costa Rica and go fishing, go Wyoming, go waterfowl hunting, you know, i go out West, go elk hunting. You're meeting other hunters and you immediately form a bond and a relationship with yep. Those people, just like you know them from back home, it's yep, always been great neat, point. neat to uh, to see that. No matter where you go, we all kind of share that fraternal bond. And yep. you know, whenever you think about ducks, you you, you and geese, you start to think about flyways. You start to think about who's got the birds and where are they coming down. And you know, when you know, are they
1: coming down? Where's the further it further south? You cold get, enough? Oh yeah, no
0: doubt. You know, are we going to get birds this year? What's it looking like? Well, I can tell you what today we're going to be talking about southeast Wyoming. And learning if they've got the birds or not. And to do that with us today, we're talking with Peyton Spires, of 157 Outfitters in Southeast Wyoming. Peyton, you know, when I think about waterfowl, Wyoming's not the first thing that comes to mind. When I think about Wyoming, I think about antelope. Like, that's the first thing that comes to my mind, personally. But, you know, I was up in Southeast Montana, just a little north of you guys, last year doing some antelope hunting. And I was amazed at the number of birds coming overhead made me want to get, get out my shotgun. And I guess you guys are just a little south of there. Is that right? I mean, when it comes to, you know, waterfowl and Wyoming, are, are we missing out?
2: You know, people that have never been to Wyoming don't understand just how many birds we have. Everyone thinks of antelope and elk, the red desert, um, the high plains, but Wyoming's unique in the United States because the hunting is so consistent for the majority of the season. So most of the hunting takes place in the Eastern section of the state. There's, there's about six counties and there's only one major water source. That's the North Platte river. Uh, it's warm water, so it almost never freezes. And this really consolidates the birds and keeps them relatively easy a pattern. So at the peak of our migration that comes around the holidays, just before Christmas, we might have two, 300,000 birds in the area at one time. And uh, like you were saying, in Montana, with all those birds, we get those birds as soon as the front pushes through Montana. So there's a lot of little water sources up in Montana that freeze over with the first cold weather that pushes them into Wyoming and our warm waters and cornfields that surround the river. will keep them there from the beginning of the season all the way until the end. So it's they really hang around the area for a long period of time. And it's something that's more consistent than most states have in the U.S.
0: It's fun to listen to you describe that because hunting with, with my hunting partner that I hunt in Montana with, you know, is exactly what you just described. A lot of stock ponds, stuff that's going to freeze up quick and boy, it gets cold up there in a, in a hurry up there. Um, and then, you know, I, I was, uh, he, he lives on the Western side of Montana and same kind of deal over there. A lot of, a lot of frozen water, but if you can find any open water when it gets cold like that, it is just bananas you know i mean there are there are birds piling in there because it's the the only thing around i would imagine the plat functions the same way
2: yep it's it's very similar you know you can go out whenever it's really cold outside and the river will have steam coming off it all morning and the birds are just sitting in it to stay warm the whole river is used as irrigation for farmland mostly for corn and hay and so those birds will sleep on the river and stay warm and then fly out to those cornfields early in the morning And that's really where we take advantage of these birds that have been hungry at night. And then as soon as it warms up a little bit during the day, they go and feed all day in these fields. And so you can, you can get these birds that will come to your fields and then hop around all morning and you get ducks, geese, everything that is going to eat corn will come down into a spread.
0: So with the birds using the river and the ag fields, like you described, what kind of techniques do you guys use to hunt them?
2: So many waterfowlers, in the United States that have been out here consider why I'm going to be the best goose hunting maybe in the entire country. So most of our techniques center around um, goose hunting and goose spreads and that is usually a dry land hunt. So we will go out and arrange large spreads of decoys between 30 and 80 dozen decoys in a field that birds have been using and then you can either hunt out of pit blinds Or layout blinds. So pits are going to be buried underneath the ground. And you arrange your decoys in a way that the birds hopefully will come and land right next to your pits or layouts. So you set out all these decoys in the morning, the birds will start flying, the geese will come in, and then you just have good collars, good hide,
0: good layouts. Does Butch get to, like, you know, take a nap in the heated pit blind? So I like, like my I can, naps while somebody puts out 80, 80 dozen decoys.
2: So, so, so after we put out the decoys, there's usually about, you know, 30 minutes to an hour before the birds start flying. we have grills underneath in the pits that people will start cooking breakfast and everything. The geese will come in. We'll call to them. You know, the geese out here, we don't pass shoot and we don't usually call in these giant flocks. Like you see sometimes in Arkansas, they almost decoy like groups of ducks like three and four at a time and we'll sit right in. And then if we start having duck action, coming in the field because the ducks are feeding the same way the geese feed and the ducks will come in there we can put out some spinning wing spinning wing decoys and whenever those ducks see those spinning wing decoys they think that there's ducks feeding with the geese and you can decoy ducks right on the pit blind just like you do geese that sounds pretty awesome man Talking about those uh, the ducks and the geese
1: that you get flying in, do you guys get, get greenhead mallards just like we do mostly, or what what do you see most
2: of as far as duck and geese? Mostly mallards. Early in the season, you will have some pintail, some widgeon, some teal still hanging around, but it's far and away mallards is the primary species that you're going to see. Some sections of the river hold tens of thousands of mallards in a mile stretch where they're roosting, and those birds will lift off and come and fly and usually feed together. So they're not in every field, but if you can get in a field that has a good duck feed going, um, you can see a duck spin that has, you know, a thousand mallards spinning above and they're not very spooky to shooting. And you can oftentimes hit a limit and they'll still be landing in your decoys. So it's a pretty good time. And that's the technique for dry land hunting. You know, we can also hunt the river itself, um, or in some ponds around. We run multiple ponds that have aerators. That's more for the duck hunting, um, for duck ponds, because we can keep them unfrozen for the entire season. And then that's more of what you would think of of a classic water hunt with floating decoys, you know, putting some decoys on a sandbar. Um, The action is definitely slower because the geese take off the fields or they take out of the river. They fly off the river in the morning and then they return to the river mid morning to early afternoon and that's really when you're going to get your geese on the river is when they're coming back to the river to rest but uh the ducks are on the river an all day thing, so they can fly from the first minute of shooting light till it's dark you can have the possibility of ducks on the river but the geese are really a late afternoon mid morning deal
0: man that sounds like fun just that going back fun. into some of my memory some of my favorite duck hunts for those ones that have lasted until midday oh, yeah. you know and just kind of Getting getting a couple here, a couple there, and and talking. Get the sun shining on the big old green head. Duck NATO. That's what I need. I need a duck NATO. I I can probably get my limit if there's a duck NATO above me.
2: You might be able to hit one or two.
0: Maybe. (laughs) What are the bag limits up there typically?
2: So on geese, it is five geese a day per person with a combined bag limit and possession of 15. So you can do a three day hunt without essentially eating any and stay legal. On the duck side, it is six birds a day. Five of those can be mallards. And of those five mallards, two are allowed to be hens. So usually if you get a duck limit, if you're going to get six ducks, you will shoot generally five mallards. And then we call them a bonus duck to get your six. So we have lots of diving ducks like golden eyes and mergansers. You might get widgeon or a pintail, uh, something to try to get that sixth. But primarily mallards are what's going to, are what you will see the most. And dry land field is almost all mallards. The river definitely gives you some more variety.
0: It's a lot of good eats right there. And I bet you those oh, birds yeah. coming in and just having all that ag around, I bet you they've got some beautiful fat on them. Fat delicious. Yeah. You know, when you're hunting Wyoming, a lot of guys love to go do that do-it-yourself trip. They want to go somewhere new. I'm, I'm one of those guys I love kind of venturing out, trying something new. When we hunted that southeastern Montana area I was talking about, that was just public land, antelope hunting we were doing. How does the public land waterfowl hunting uh, in in Wyoming compare to private lands?
2: So the way Wyoming is set up, eastern Wyoming is largely private land um, just because of agriculture. So I'm not going to lie, the public land hunting is limited. However, there are definitely some opportunities if you look into it. So Wyoming has this walk-in hunting program where farmers will put their farm fields into the walk-in program, and you can legally go on those and hunt waterfowl. You're not allowed to drive a vehicle, but there are some very good fields uh, for goose hunting that are in the walk-in program. There's a few management areas in Eastern Wyoming, Springer, Bump, Sullivan, and Table Mountain Wildlife area or are two that come to mind that allow waterfowl hunting, and they're managed for waterfowl numbers. And then there's little small pieces of state land and Bureau of Reclamation land that are on the river that you can go and, you know, throw up a duck spread if you want. I don't think it's the best option for someone driving across the country to drive to Wyoming purely for a public land hunt. The opportunities are definitely there if you live a little bit closer, but I wouldn't drive by better public opportunities to come to a place that's limited options. However, if you find yourself in Wyoming, there are definitely some public land options you can uh take advantage of. You just have to really get into it and make yourself have a successful hunt. It definitely sounds like uh the water seems to be key
1: right there. You were kind of keying on the Platte River and why that's so important to so why you go you guys have and hold so many birds. Um, I would assume that would be a huge advantage to private land hunting up there. Anything else that you can think of that would be, you know, why you would choose private over public?
2: So there's definitely advantages of private land hunting. And the first, as far as goose hunting goes, that people really overlook is if you can hunt on private land that allows you to drive a vehicle into a field, you can get a lot of decoys. You can get your blind kind of in the middle of a field. You're not going to be next to a road. And it really helps you put out a more convincing decoy spread. Um, Birds don't generally like to land close to where vehicles are driving. So that helps a lot. Also, the private land the fields that are private are not going to be haunted as much, you know, a private field might only get hunted three or four times a year in a three month season. So if you can get on a private field, um, those birds are not used to being decoyed or called to, and they're more likely to land. You know, if you're coming and you want to try to gain permission, a lot of people will door knock nowadays and look, Um, that's definitely something that you can try to do. Just got to be very big on respect and respecting the landowner, Um, you know, promise to pick up trash and, treat their land like you'd want yours to be treated and then if the landowner says no then move on to the next because all the farmers talk to each other and the first one you're rude to is not going to go
0: well yeah
2: i bet i believe that for sure
0: you know uh we were antelope hunting southeast montana it was right around middle of october last year and that's we had some crazy wind days winds up close to 60 mile an hour and a bunch of birds just moving through the country big cold front had come through and When it comes to Wyoming, a little little bit further south of there, when does the season typically start and when do the birds typically show up? So
2: I like to break the Wyoming season into like three phases. So there's a very early season that opens September 30th and runs only for about two weeks. This kind of gives the local people an opportunity to hunt those resident birds that have been staying on the lakes and there's really no birds on the river yet because the water's still high. So really kind of like you're talking about in Montana, there's going to be some birds on these pothole ponds and things that haven't frozen up yet because we're still talking 80 degree weather. Then that season closes and the real season or the main season opens up for ducks in early November and geese in later November. There will be some birds in the region that time, but as an outfitter, I do not book any hunts until the December 10th time frame by December 10th, we're almost certain that there's going to have been a cold front to push Montana birds down to us. So if I would say when are there almost guaranteed to be heavy amounts of birds in Wyoming, it's going to be from that December 10th period all the way until the season ends. And so that's really prime time mid December until the end of the season. And in years past, we've had birds stay for a month after the season's over. So Honestly, it's pretty hot and heavy from that middle December to the end of the season. And how, how late do you guys book trips? When does that season end Peyton? So if you, we will book hunts from December 10th to January 23rd for duck hunting. And then for goose hunting, we'll go from December 10th all the way to February 18th. Um, the way the seasons work, they don't, they don't totally match up. They overlap a lot, but that late goose hunting can be some of the craziest hunts we have all year, you know, seeing, 50,000 birds
0: a day. I mean, it, wow. it can be crazy. You know, thinking about late season goose hunting, like you said, that, uh, you know, that can be some crazy, crazy hunts. But when I think late, late season, I typically think snow geese. We talked about the types of ducks that you guys get. Is it predominantly Canada's there? Do y'all get speckled bellies? You get a lot of snows. What, what kind of geese do you get?
2: So honestly, early in the season, we get a little bit of a mix far and away. Canada geese are the most common. So we have greater Canada's and lesser Canada geese. The greater Canada geese are easier to decoy and they go in smaller groups. So you're more likely to get ones, twos, threes and fours in. Um, They decoy really well and it's crazy to watch them do it. The lesser Canada geese are smaller and they stay in bigger flocks. They're harder to decoy, but when you do decoy them, you're gonna decoy 10 to 20 at a time. Um, we get limited snow geese early and then really you won't see very many once you get into December and the occasional speckle belly, but really it's mostly lesser Canada geese early in the season and then greater Canada geese once we get past the holidays and it'll be a mix all year, but um, both of those offered a different hunting opportunity, but we hunt on the same way.
0: All right, folks, we'll be right back. Y'all take a minute and check out some of the businesses that make this show free for you every episode. Uh, this week is brought to us by Great Days Outdoors magazine. If you're frustrated with typical hunting and fishing magazines and tired of reading content, for guys that are up in the North or up in the Midwest, check out Great Days Outdoors magazine. Don't get left behind following the guidance of guys who don't fish or hunt in your home state you can pick up a Great Days Outdoors magazine subscription and it will help you become a better Southern outdoorsman. Great Days Outdoors magazine can be found at your local Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Tractor Supply Company, Rural King, Bass Pro Shops, or you can save online. At greatdaysoutdoors.com. Also brought to you by Southern Seed and Feed. Do you want to provide better nutrients to your deer? If so, try Southern Buck food plot blends. Your deer will love it. At Southern Seed and Feed, they specialize in making textured feed for horses, cattle, sheep, goats, Hogs, chickens, small animals, and wildlife. Their products are proven irresistible, scientifically formulated to promote excellent herd health and hunter satisfaction. They supply products to various distributors throughout the South. So visit their website at southernseedfeed.com or call 662-726-2638 to find the dealer nearest you. Hunting out west for me, I have a love-hate relationship with it. I love the hunting and I hate dealing with all the regulations and the licenses, you know, growing up in Alabama where you just go buy, you just, license yeah, you you buy a license go, and you're you know? pretty much good. And there's nothing really too much to think about getting into all the big game draws and doing all that stuff is uh, I'm learning more and more every year, but every year it's kind of like picking up a textbook you hadn't looked at in in a 12 months. So, when it comes to ducks and geese, what are the licenses like in Wyoming? Is it is it hard to understand or is it pretty straightforward?
2: It's super simple. And really, so you have the federal portion, which is just a federal duck stamp. So any, any state in the U S that you're going to go hunt ducks or geese, you're going to have to have that stamp and it's good for any state. Besides that, the only thing you have to have in Wyoming is a daily bird small game license. So as a non-resident that comes in at just over $20 a day. So for a three-day hunt, you could buy, three days worth for just over $60. And then if you've hunted in another state, you already have your duck stamp. If not, you can buy a duck stamp online or at any post office. And that is all the money that is involved with licensing. So less than a hundred dollars for a three day hunt and licensing. You can log on, make an account in about three minutes on Wyoming fishing game, buy your licenses and print them out. And there's really nothing else to it. Very simple. uh, And as far as regulations go, straightforward, easy to understand. Pretty much like how it goes anywhere else. Hey, you know, easy is good.
0: I grew up in South Alabama. You know, we need to. We need. We need instructions. Yeah. If I I buy this, can I kill this? That's what I need to know. Basically. (laughs) Big
2: game out here. Totally different ball game. Yeah.
0: foul is pretty easy. Keep your shotgun pointed in the sky, and you'll be in good shape. That's right. Man, well, let's talk about you guys a little bit and, and just the out, outfitters in general, you know, whether it's hunting with you guys or, or hunting with any outfitter and really just, just hunting with waterfowl out, outfitters in general, anywhere you go. What are some of the questions people can ask? How can people really ensure that they're, they're choosing a good outfitter? You know, do you have any tricks to that? I mean, obviously you're going to, you, you want to promote yourself, right? But at the same time, like what I'm really looking for here is what can people, look for in outfitters to know that they're getting a quality product, whether it's with you guys or somebody else altogether.
1: And what are some of the things that people, people may not even be thinking of that that you can give them, you know, they can see around corners to maybe not have a bad experience. Yep. So uh,
2: there's a lot of, there's not a lot, there's a, there's a decent amount of outfitters in Wyoming and they all provide something different, you know, at the end, all outfitters can kill birds and all outfitters have the ability to give you a pretty good hunt but hunters should pick an outfitter that provides what they want out of a hunt, not just a hunt. So some outfitters specialize in like duck only. Some will do goose only. Um, we will do a mixture of both. We are goose first just because that is the most consistent. And that's what our clients have the most fun with. But like, if we think we can hunt ducks, like we're going to hunt ducks. Some outfitters will have pits in the ground. So we run all heated underground pits in, in fields uh, and then blinds on the river. Some outfitters are going to, you know, go around and look for birds and fields the night before and then go put layouts. So that's going to be a lot colder. You're kind of on the ground and then just kind of what it includes. So some outfitters are going to, you know, have you meet at a gas station, take you out to hunt. You're going to have a good hunt. And then you go back and stay in your hotel um, until the next day. And then the way we operate is we provide pretty much everything. So like you show up. You stay in our lodging, use our guns, ammo, unlimited ammo. And then once the birds are, you know, taken for the day, we take them to a bird processor who is licensed to clean birds in Wyoming. And whenever she does that, they are given back to you in vacuum sealed packages already cleaned and flash frozen. So you don't have to worry about keeping a wing attached to a breasted bird and then taking those back home. I would ask your outfitter, You know, what, what does the pricing include? What does a day-to-day hunting look like? What are the staying accommodations? You know, do I have to bring my own guns and ammo? You can, you can do anything from just literally hunting and staying at a hotel to the way we operate, which is, it includes pretty much everything. We tell people just show up with warm clothes and a good attitude, and we're going to have a great time.
0: Man, that's, uh, that's interesting to hear you say that you provide guns and ammo because, I kind of see just that. so much easier
2: to get there,
1: I would think, especially if you're gonna fly.
0: not having to deal with that at the airport is a is a big bonus for me. The other bonus for me is that when I miss, it's totally it's your not gun's my fault. fault. It's like, definitely your gun for obviously, sure. I the same I mean, I'm not used to this gun. it's it's I mean, there's something wrong with it clearly. So that's a good thing,
2: yep. and we we learned through the guns and ammo thing. a lot of people don't want to check guns at the airport and then don't want to fly with ammo. It's just such a headache. And also people that are not used to hunting these geese the way we do, you know, they don't have ammo worked up with the correct choke and the correct gun. So whenever they come in, we have our guns patterned with the right chokes with our favorite ammo. I mean, you can pick it up and we just have years of experience using these setups and uh, they work really well. And we provide, we can, we've got all brands of guns, different calibers. So we can really really do what our clients want.
0: Yeah, well, speaking of that, I, anytime I get, whether it's a an outfitter or a fishing guide, when I get somebody that's spending that much time on the water, in the field, I love to ask them gear questions because you've had a chance to really see a bunch of different possibilities, a bunch of different scenarios, a bunch of different setups, what works, what doesn't work. Tell me what's the best shotgun? Like, what do you guys like to put in the hands of your clients for the type of hunting that you do and why?
2: So for me, I was always personally a Beretta guy. I love Beretta shotguns. And I learned really quick that a lot of clients think they're too thick to hold and shoulder. So now we run a total mix of shotguns. I personally would say the best shotgun is the shotgun that you like. And with clients, that's always something different. So I will run Berettas, Franke, Weatherby, Winchester, Mossberg, but Nelly, we have everything. We have a couple of every kind of gun and people generally will just pass them around, pick what they like, and everyone's happy. I think any shotgun realistically will work as long as it's going to be reliable and will work in the cold and cycle. We like 12 gauge 3 inch is our preferred you know, shell size and caliber but we will go down to 20s. We have a couple 20 gauges whenever we have smaller statured people and uh, a lot of wives that come out with their husbands like to shoot 20 gauges. So we have a couple of 20 gauges and, and, you know, the 12, 13, 14 year old clients we have will oftentimes use a 20 gauge and they all work. It's just less BBs in a show. That sounds awesome, man. I kind of like that. It sounded
1: kind of sounds like even Joe could go up there and kill a duck or, or a goose. Sound like you got it all set up.
0: You got a 10-gauge? I mean, I might need...
1: (laughs) need all the shots. Well, man, you mentioned a little bit there, Peyton. It's obviously Wyoming. It's going to be much colder than it is in Alabama. What are some things that we definitely should not show up without and kind of what can we expect a little bit here? You know, whenever it's, quote, cold in Alabama, you know, we're bundled up in the morning, but by 9 a.m. we're in t-shirts. So kind of walk us through what we can expect and what we should not show up
2: without. What are you going to have to have in the field? You know, people really... Overhype the coldness of our area of Wyoming. So, our area of Wyoming is actually the lowest elevation in the entire state. It's only about 4,000 feet elevation, so it's not really that high, and we have the mildest temperatures in the entire state. I would say on an average hunting day, like a true average, it's going to be around 15 to 20 degrees outside, but that's with no humidity. So, a 15 to 20 degree dry cold. Honestly, it does not feel that cold. The only cold portion of the day is going to be setting out decoys in the morning before the sun comes up. It will be chilly. But as soon as you get in a pit, um, we have heaters in there. It really warms up. And honestly, by nine and 10 in the morning, I'm usually in a t-shirt in the pit hunting. Um, So that's really nice. As far as what to bring, I would say bring something that you would wear when it's as cold as it's going to be in the South, just in case you have it and layers you want to be layered up because putting out decoys you'll be bundled up but as soon as you get in the pit for a couple hours started eating breakfast you can uh you're going to probably be in a t-shirt and just enjoying standing up and looking around so the cold is really not that bad we might have three or four days out of the year in the hunting season that is truly really cold but even then we just make our spread smaller and stay in the pit and the birds want to get down really fast when it's really cold so it honestly makes it a little bit easier
0: any need to bring waders?
2: No. So we run, we have dogs that will go and retrieve birds out of the river that we hunt with, and our guides will be in waiters. I would say if you have a pair of lightweight waiters or you want to bring waiters, I mean I'm not gonna say don't bring waders. Most of our hunts occur over dry land. We will have some water hunts, but the dog is gonna be doing most of the retrieving in the water and there won't be walking across the river. So I don't require waiters. If you want to bring waiters, we definitely would use you if you had waders and we're hunting water to go put out decoys, <laughs> but not like a requirement. And we don't tell clients to go like buy waders or anything for a hunt. Um, Realistically, we just, our guys are going to be in the waders and they do most of the retrieval. The clients don't generally leave the pit or the blind for any reason, really, unless they, they need to go back to a truck or something.
0: That sounds like a really easy hunt to go on. You know, like a lot of your travel destination type hunts, at least the ones I've been on, it's a lot of thinking, it's a lot of planning. Someone it's a be lot overwhelming, of overwhelming for sure. You know, get your stuff together and you get a lot of logistics. It sounds like you guys have it pretty well. You can get a plane ticket and, you know, kind of come with some decent clothing. You're going to be able to hunt. That being said, this sounds like something that'd be really fun to do with, like you mentioned, maybe a wife, maybe a son, a brother, you know, a group of uh, maybe a corporate type hunt. But how many people can you take? Like what's typical in terms of a day of hunting and you know, how many people are going to be in the blind? How many people can you house at the lodges?
2: So we run two lodges that are on the banks of the North Platte river. Um, so the lodges, when you're in the lodge in the afternoon and you're done hunting for the day, you're going to see birds just buzzing in the lodge all day and hear them really cool setup. So we have one that we call the main lodge and it can house up to six people. It has six separate beds. And two bathrooms is about 4,000 square feet. Very nice location. And the secondary backup lodge will house up to four people. Also very nice right on the river. So we could take theoretically 10 people at a time. If you wanted to to book a big group, we could take 10 people between the two lodges. The way the pits are set up is they have six holes that are cut in the top of them. One is used for the guide to call and then call the shots. And five are for clients to stand up and shoot out of we can fit more than five people in the pit, but someone would just have to switch off on a gun. So what we usually do on big groups is we'll run two pits. We'll run five in both pits and one will have one guide and then we'll tag team with two guides in the second pit. So we could take a group up to 10 and we would hunt two separate locations. You know, the clients can mix and match who they want to hunt with on what day really it's really what the clients want to do. And then Say we have a big goose feed and we don't want to hunt a pit, and everyone wants to hunt together. We we'll, we have panel blinds. We can set up panel blinds and hunt all ten guys together and panel field, and we can run three guys and sound incredible with three callers going a hundred dozen decoys. We can really do whatever the clients want to do, but our maximum people would be ten at a time, uh, and then we can have five shooters per pit
0: at a time. That's perfect. I mean, Butch can be in the corner making me a biscuit, and uh, I don't mind making know, biscuits. Yeah, I can. I can be missing ducks and geese so. yeah you
1: miss a few and then i'll make you a biscuit and then we yeah. can swap and i'll miss a few and then you may maybe just perfect Sounds like a good deal well man like joe mentioned there it seems like a very very easy hunt let's talk about travel logistics just a little bit before we move along where do we fly into and what does it look like getting to and from the airport once we get to wyoming
2: so we have clients that fly or drive driving some people like to have their own truck around when they're hunting uh which i can see you know From the central United States, we're about a 10-hour drive. From the south, it's about a 20-hour drive, which is a trip. Most people fly. Um, Our connecting airport is Denver International Airport. So Denver International is a three-hour drive from our lodges. Anywhere that connects to Denver, you can go get on that flight, get into Denver, get a rental car, and then it's a three-hour drive to our lodges. If you don't want to have a three-hour drive, then you can fly to Scott's Bluff Regional Airport, which is a in Western Nebraska. That's about 40 minutes from our lodges. Um, They also have rental cars there. Scott's Bluff connects through Denver. So you can, you know, get in and then only have a 40 minute drive and you're at the lodges, or you can drive straight from wherever you are. You know, if anyone has a deal with a private, like a private plane, Scott's Bluff has a great center for private aircraft to land into. We have clients do that. There's a lot of ways to get there, but it's really going to be fly in, get a rental car, and then drive either from Denver or Scott's Bluff is for what most people do.
0: You know, it still
2: sounds pretty easy.
0: To each their own. I mean, for me personally, anytime I go to a new area, I love to do a little drive and just to kind of see the area. It sounds, I mean, by the time you connect in Denver to Scott's Bluff, I would imagine you'd be just as fast just jumping in a truck and, and driving. You probably get there about the same time and get to see some countryside at the same time.
2: If you were trying to get to the location as fast as possible for the – you know, most economical way, it is definitely going to be try to find a direct flight somewhere from Denver, you know, from the South Pensacola does a sub hundred dollar direct flight from Pensacola to Denver. Wow. Um, and then you can take a rental car. And I mean, you're from the rental car to our lodges is three hours. It's interstate. You're going to drive through half of Colorado and then a third of Wyoming, you know, in that three hours. And you get to see a lot of We have a lot of, you know, Western-themed restaurants around, steakhouses. There's plenty of amenities for everything. So, yeah, everyone really enjoys getting to see a different part of the country. And then you're like, man, I'm really hunting waterfowl out here. It's just a very different environment from what you know most people think of the swamps of the south yeah that's a great point too and
1: you also mentioned you know be good for it's good for wives and things like that what's how far are you from a from a little bit bigger town not not for me i want to be in the middle of nowhere but if somebody wants to get into some things how far are you from you know restaurants and fun things like that so
2: lingle wyoming is where the lodges are located we're about a mile and a half outside of of town of 500 people which has a bar a gas station not a whole lot. Torrington, Wyoming is only 10 minutes away. That has a bunch of restaurants, multiple grocery stores, like boutiques, bakeries, everything like that. Only 20 minutes from our house is one of the, it's rated as the nicest steakhouse in Wyoming. It's the oldest restaurant in Wyoming. Uh, Super nice. There's other steakhouses in Torrington. And then if you want to go to a city that really has 60, 60 000 people would be Scotts Bluff, which is a 35-minute drive. But we love having, you know, kids come out, wives come out, and like the pit is totally, you know, wife friendly. You know, we we take wives hunting all the time. They want to come out and get involved. We've had a lot of clients that have never hunted a bird before, have never fired a gun before, and come out and shoot limits of geese and have a great time and are hooked for life. So awesome. it's really it's really an environment that everyone can get in on. Sounds like it.
0: Very cool. Well, Peyton, it's been a lot of fun going over this and getting to know Wyoming waterfowl a little bit better today. Uh, It's definitely something that people won't be sleeping on. Uh, after they hear this. If folks want to check out your hunts in a little bit deeper detail, kind of look into your availability. I mean, do you guys even have any dates left open this season? How can they go check that out online?
2: Yes, sir. We, we're booking up. We do have some dates open after the holidays um, for the rest of the year. We would love to get, you know, some more people involved here in Wyoming. So if you go to our website, which is 157outfitters.com, you can see, you know, photos, the gallery, some more details on everything. And then, Give us a call and we can get them on the schedule and get them uh, out here experiencing Wyoming waterfowl for the first time.
0: Man, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks for joining us. Yep. Thanks for having me on. All right, folks, we're going to be right back. Y'all take a minute and check out some of our sponsors. Field Torque. Introducing the Field Torque Field Dressing Super Tool for hunters. Field Torque is five times faster, safer, and cleaner than conventional field dressing. The Super Tool does it with a bone cutter, flesh cutter, and gut hook all in one. You can tackle elk, deer, hogs, and more without resharpening or replacing blades during the process. The Fieldtork Supertools bone cutting assist design allows for easy pelvic removal and breastplate separation without broken or dull blades, allowing for unobstructed or damaged entrail removal. Includes a heavy-duty sheath and ceramic sharpener. Get yours today at fieldtork.com and also found on Amazon. I don't know about you butch i really enjoy all aspects of land management i like hanging my own deer stand i like patterning the big game you know i enjoy the the whole process of habitat management scouting planting hunt strategy planning i mean i get really get into the whole thing and when yeah. i shoot a deer on my place it makes it that much more fun that i've done all that work when it comes to ducks I i'll shoot anybody's ducks i don't care man like <laughs> i I'm perfectly happy to go sit in your blind, shoot oh, yeah. your gun and shoot your ducks. I, waterfowl's just relaxing for me and it's just pure fun. I love going with a bunch of buddies, sitting in the blind, being able to talk. I'm looking yeah, forward it's to it. It's a good
1: year. it's a good camaraderie sport. You can definitely yeah. uh, you know, don't have to be too quiet, you gotta be still whenever they're coming in and things like that. But yeah, I agree. I'm I'm fired up now, man. i the way he was talking about those the lodges right on the on the Platte River. Uh, but that's pretty incredible. Sit there in the afternoon. Uh, eating a steak, watching some birds fly by. I'm really looking forward to that, man. It's going to be beautiful.
0: A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Y'all check out 157 Outfitters in Wyoming if you're thinking about a waterfowl hunt this year. Sounds like they still got some dates available. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us this week. Appreciate you joining us. We want to make it easy for you to listen. So here's a handy option for you. To get the podcast emailed to you each week, just text the word HUNTING to 773-770-4377. Again, just text the word HUNTING to 773-770-4377 you'll join our email list and wherever you are listening to podcasts go ahead subscribe rate and review send us a written review we'd love to hear from you if you got a show topic that you are interested in and like to see us cover just email us at pros at landhunting.com that's gonna do it for us y'all stay safe out there we'll talk to you next time This week's show is brought to you by Mallard Bay Outdoors. Book your next guided hunting or fishing trip with thoroughly vetted guides or charters. Built by sportsmen for sportsmen. MallardBay.com. And also, Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks. Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks are proud to be your metal roofing headquarters for over 40 years. They now have eight locations to serve you. Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks, your metal roofing headquarters. And also by Bucks Island Marine. Bucks Island is a full-service facility that sells new and used boats and motors. Visit them at 4500 Highway 77, Southside, Alabama, or give them a call at 256-442-2588. And also brought to you by Alabama Ag Credit. If you're in the market to purchase your own piece of paradise or need an operating line for your farm, learn more by visiting alabamaagcredit.com.